If you have Bibles, your mobiles, whatever it is with you, please turn to Psalm 23. While we get the levels right. So this is... Oh, by the way, I just need to say thank you to the worship team. Didn't you enjoy the worship this morning? It was just great. It's great to be in the presence of God and to express wholeheartedly uh, the goodness of God and to feel that we enter right into that. I thought it was just wonderful this morning. Um, Lorraine and I have the privilege of traveling in and out of lots and lots of churches. This time last week, we happened to be in Indiana uh, in the US. Um, but, you know, we sort of keep moving, never quite sure where we are. But the worship, uh, worship is sort of one thing that we enjoy in lots and lots of places, but being here at home with family uh, is absolutely super and thoroughly enjoyed it this morning. Uh, we're doing a start uh, today as a start of a mini-series on Psalm 23, The Lord is Our Shepherd. It's obviously one of the most familiar psalms. Maybe some of you even have learnt it by heart at various times. I hope you can still say it. The problem is with variety of versions of the Bible, we sometimes get the words slightly different, but it's still very, very familiar. Charles Spurgeon, a great preacher at the end of the 1900s, said that this was the pearl of Psalms. It was the outstanding one of the Psalms. It's read on deathbeds, at funerals, in all sorts of tricky and uncertain situations. It's sung regularly in song form in the same situations. And it's one of a series of psalms, Psalm 15 through to Psalm 24, which are about those who can confidently have access into the presence of God. I have been given eight words to speak on this morning. I think they're trying to cut me down. And obviously hoping that, you know, I will be as brief as eight words warrants. But there are very, very significant eight words, you understand. Um, these eight words, the first verse of Psalm 23, proclaims the theme of us being able to be confident in God's care. And actually is the basis for the rest of the psalm, which we will keep on uh, reading over the next three weeks. Um, God wants his people to be a confident people and not to feel on the back foot but on the front foot as we walk through his world because he walks with us, he accompanies us on our journey uh, through life and he is the God actually who even goes ahead of us. That's why this psalm is so key, because it's all about the confidence that we can have in him. Let's read the psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. Wherever you see the Lord, both in the, well, in the Old Testament anyway, the word underlying that is the word Yahweh, or the name Yahweh. I will be talking about that in a moment and all that that means. But just to say that's the word. It's translated in Greek as the word kurios. And it comes out again right the way through the New Testament in describing Jesus. So this Yahweh, the Lord, is the same as Jesus, the Lord. It's the same word, the same name. 
The Lord is my shepherd. I will lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you have started dwelling in the house of the Lord, if you're a member of the family of God, that is a forever thing. It's an eternal, everlasting thing. Let's think a little bit about these eight words, which, by the way, are less in Hebrew. Uh, But I didn't dare say that, in case Dan expected me even shorter. This first word, Yahweh, is our shepherd. By the way, the psalm starts and finishes with Yahweh. So, the Lord is my shepherd, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Your faith, my faith, is centered totally on God and starts and finishes in Him. We are caught up in a journey with God which does not depend on our energy or our strength, but on the nature and character of God, who, as we've been proclaiming today, is a thoroughly good God who wants to do you and me good and who wants to continue to do you and me good, is actually determined to do you and me good, our faith starts and finishes with God. Amen? I'd like to explain the name Yahweh to you, if I can. Some of you will have heard me say this before, uh, but some things are worth repeating. Although it's used in the text of the Bible before the time of Moses... The name Yahweh comes to the fore in the Bible story, in the story of Moses. Moses has been called, or is in the process of being called, to lead the people of Israel out of uh, the status of slavery in Egypt into its own promised land in Canaan. It's a significant call for a man who feels himself to be weak, and incapable. Whether he was or not, that's how he felt himself to be. You and I can understand that. Sometimes we have gifts to do things, but we still feel it in ourselves as though we lack confidence to do them. That was Moses's state as God was calling him in this vision that he had of a bush that continued to burn but was not consumed by the fire. Uh, He says, well, what if they say to me, who has sent you? What's your name, God? And how shall I explain who has sent me to lead them out of Egypt? And God says to Moses, tell them Yahweh, 
has sent you. Now, Yahweh is one of the most difficult words in Hebrew to translate because it's a form of the present verb, I am, or to be. Now, any of you who understand grammar know what I'm talking about. The others are already lost. Okay, but it's a form of this verb, I am. And it is translated normally in the text, I am who I am. In other words, the quality of God is that he is, he is there all the time. But it's more than that. And perhaps a better translation for Yahweh would be, I will be who I will be. In other words, whatever you, Moses, need me to be for you, I will be that. I am whatever you need at any time. This is a title full of potential. It's not a static name. It's not just a name for God. It's a, it's a name that means something, that takes you somewhere. And if you say, my God is Yahweh, what you're saying is, he's not just someone sitting up there who's called Yahweh. Isn't that interesting? It means that whatever I need in my life, as I walk through my life, God is able to be that to me. Okay, this is hugely important. It's got dynamic, potential, possibilities to it. Uh, and if you know that you're walking with Yahweh and living with Yahweh, that's why you can be confident. Because whatever you need in any situation in the future, he is able to be that to you. Amen? Uh, this is massive. Uh, I wish I could explain it better. Um, actually, that's why you can add all sorts of other names to the name of Yahweh. And they get added in the New Testament, and here's a list of some of them. In Genesis chapter 22, Abraham is about to offer Isaac, and at the very moment when he's about to offer Isaac as a sacrifice to God, God rescues him from that and puts a, a ram in the way that is caught by its horns in a bush, and out of that, Abraham says, now I see. Yahweh Jireh, which means God provides. The Lord provides. Yahweh provides. I thought that I was forced down here to this sort of final step to sacrifice my son, but God has provided something else. God has provided a lamb for sacrifice. Yahweh is our provider. So here's the name of God for you. Yahweh is your provider. Anybody say amen? Is anybody feeling short of resources at the moment? Hello? Yeah, okay, a few people feeling short of resources. You might be short of money. You might be short of uh, capacity, time. You might be short of, you know, abilities. You might, there might be all sorts of things, uh, right? But God's our provider. In Exodus chapter 15, there's bitter waters that get healed by Moses throwing a sort of piece of wood into these bitter waters. And out of that, he says, oh, now I see these bitter waters have become sweet. God is our healer. He's healed these waters. That means he's a healing God. 
And that has been quoted through the years, is picked up in lots of other places in Scripture, because God is a healer. Yahweh is a healer. If Yahweh is with us, he's a healing God. In Exodus chapter 17, the Israelites have to battle against the Amalekites. And they have this this sort of glorious fight where Joshua is leading the troops on the ground and Moses is standing on the mountain, helped, his arms helped in the air by Aaron and Hur, and he is praying for victory for Joshua and the forces of Israel. <laughs> and they beat the Amalekites. And they say, Yahweh is our banner. He's the one whose standard we carry, and he's fighting for us. If you find yourself in difficult situations at the moment, you don't know how you're going to work your way out of them. The truth is the Yahweh who walks with you is your banner in those situations. Nobody's looking very happy about that. Please look very happy about that. He's your banner in those situations, and he stretches his arms of victory over you, his standard over you to say, this is my son, this is my daughter, and I am fighting with you. I am Yahweh Nissi. So this name, Yahweh, has lots and lots of potential. And so there's a few more names as well, just to add to this. Yahweh Mekadesh, Leviticus chapter 20. That may be one you don't know very well, but it simply means the Lord Yahweh our sanctifier. He's the one who makes us holy. You may think you're, you're a quite a miserable character, really. Or perhaps you don't think that. Perhaps you think yourself. But, but m- most of us are aware that we're not the sort of people we would like to be. We would really like to be better than we are. We'd like our reactions to be better than they are. We'd like, you know, what we'd really like to say to people to be nicer than it is. Uh, we'd like our unselfishness to be changed into our selfishness to be changed into unselfishness, and so on. We we'd really like to be better than we are. Well, God is the one who sanctifies us. First, He forgives us, and then there's another word. Uh, We'll come to a little bit later. Judges chapter 6 reveals Yahweh as the one who makes peace, brings peace, keeps peace. He is Yahweh Shalom. Jeremiah chapter 23 talks about God who is our righteousness. Yahweh Sidkenu. He's the one who makes us righteous, allows us to walk righteously, keeps us walking the right way. It says that actually a little bit later in this psalm. He directs me in the ways of righteousness. Ezekiel chapter 48 is one that I actually love. It's a great vision that Ezekiel has of the future, which is simply called, uh, and, and when he's described the whole future city of God, he says, and the name that's written above it is Yahweh Shammah. The Lord who is there. Wouldn't you love to have that written over your house? Yahweh Shammah, the Lord who is there. And this is the city of God. Yahweh Shammah, he's going to be there. He's calling this city by his name and he will be there. And then we come to Psalm 23. Yahweh is my shepherd. It will come up in a moment. Can anybody tell me what the difference is between all the previous names of Yahweh and this one? Thank you very much. It's personal. 
All the others are general names of God, which you can call down and claim for your own. But this one is a highly personal one. Yahweh is my shepherd. Highly individual, highly personal, and this is something that you can know for yourself. Listen, what the psalmist is seeing is that everything he needs is in Yahweh. In trouble, Yahweh is there. In distress, Yahweh is there. In sickness, Yahweh is there. In relational challenges and conflict, Yahweh is there. In work pressure, Yahweh is there. In exam anxiety, Yahweh is there. In guilt, Yahweh is there. In weakness, Yahweh is there. All we need is in Yahweh, the Lord, and he is our shepherd. At this point, I am going to play you an old clip. It's old. Some of you who are old will have heard this one before. Some of you who are young may have missed it, and I'd hate you to miss this one. Uh, this is a prayer. There's a bishop called Dr. Stockridge. Lockridge. <laughs> his, his name, interestingly enough, was Shadrach Meshach Lockridge. Isn't that a wonderful name? So this Dr. Lockridge was asked to open a conference in prayer uh, spontaneously. This is unprepared. And this is the prayer that he prayed at that conference. Says, my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? <laughs> my king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's 
I wish I could describe him to you. Don't you love that line? After all that sort of spontaneous, outpoured sort of prayer about who God is, he said, I wish I could describe him to you. Well, I wish I could sort of piece words together and think like that. But, but what I love about that is basically saying, the Lord is enough for us. The Lord is enough for us. The Lord is enough for you wherever you are at the moment. The Lord is enough for me in the situations that I'm walking through. The Lord is enough for you as you face the future. The Lord is enough for you. And, and, and what King David is saying is that I'm a shepherd king, but I need a shepherd king. And however, however confident we may be, however gifted we may be, most of us need someone to guide us, someone to help us. We also need a shepherd king. Yahweh. Then is my shepherd. He's our personal shepherd king. He cares for me personally. Now, the thing we need to know about shepherds in the Old Testament is that shepherds did not work quite like shepherds in our day work. And in fact, what happened was that they led the sheep out to pasture, and the sheep followed the shepherd. We have this sort of sense of, you know, the shepherd rounding up the sheep and somehow coming behind them as the dogs sort of bring them in and all the rest of it, but that wasn't an Old Testament picture. In the Old Testament, the sheep goes out, and he calls his sheep to follow him. And because, as Jesus says in John chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice, my sheep know my voice, when the shepherd calls, the sheep come with him. I love that picture, and that's the picture that King David has of Yahweh, his shepherd. God goes before him. It is incredibly reassuring to know that we do not walk out into life on our own, but God goes before us. He's a God who precedes us. He's a God who is there. What we find in situations where we're under stress, sometimes we find we worried about it needlessly. How many of you find that? Yeah. 
We, we'd spent all this time worrying about it. We get there, and God was there all the time. It wasn't as bad as we feared. God was with us. He gave us strength. He gave us wisdom. He gave the capacity to do it. Why did we waste all that time worrying? Well, that's a very good question. And I have a feeling that God wants us to learn how not to worry. As Jesus said to his disciples, do not worry about anything. Don't worry about what you eat, what you wear. You may think this is very impractical, but don't pick an argument with me, pick an argument with Jesus. I'd like to tell you something, you won't win. Because if we trust God as Father, we understand he's able to take us through everything. So he goes before me, he protects me. That's what a shepherd does for his sheep. I wonder if you've ever experienced those protections. I mean, even looking back, you experience some of them sometimes, don't you? Um, when I was nine months old, I foolishly, as a baby, decided to eat the eider down on my bed. I mean, that's the equivalent of a duvet, for those who don't know what an eider down is. That's an old way of talking about a duvet. It got stuck in my throat, and I was just about to die. My great uncle turned up, put his fingers down my throat, pulled it out, rescued me, gave me artificial respiration. That's why I'm here today. I might not have been. At the age of 16, I was out on my scooter, and I remember somehow getting squashed between two lorries. Well, I mean, it was sort of, it was literally millimeters. I don't know how I ended up not going under one of those. I was probably being foolish. I don't know. I can't, I can't remember that bit, but I can remember it was within millimeters. And yet, I'm still alive by the grace of God. And perhaps because there were things to do, uh, God protects us. He goes ahead of us. He protects us. He provides for me. We've just said, seen Yahweh is our provider. And what's more, he directs me. He directs me. One of the things that God loves to do is to speak to us. God is a speaking God. I remember one day I was sort of, I was a leader in the church. I think I was leading, we just started the church in Oxford. Uh, Dan, that was in 1985, so it's 34 years ago, you're right. Um, and we were sort of headed in a certain direction. I went to a meeting in Northern Ireland, sort of quietly minding my own business, and somebody comes up to me. Dan, you have to help me with this, please. Somebody comes up to me who I didn't know, and uh, <laughs> he, he's a bit fearful. <laughs> Be not afraid. This is, this is all right. <laughs> um, and he said to me, Steve, I know who you are. Uh, I feel like I've got a word for you. And uh, I said, all expecting, well, feel free, give it to me. But I wasn't sure what was coming. And he said, well, it's like the angel that met Joshua. <laughs> now, for those who don't know this story, you can read it in the book of Joshua. Okay, but it's like, it's about, it was like the angel who met Joshua. And Joshua, Joshua is leading Israel at this time. And Joshua says to the angel, are you for us or against us? <laughs> Thank you, Dan, that's the right answer. 
And so, and so Joshua says, are you for us or against us? And the, and the angel says, neither. <laughs> I'm neither for you nor... I'm coming as the captain of the army. And he looked at me and it's like he took this sort of posture of the angel. I'm coming as the captain. You can sit down <laughs> now. But I flinched just as much as Dan flinched. And the fear of God came into me. It was like God wanted to get my attention about certain things. And he wanted to speak. Now, God may not speak to you as dramatically as that, and I hope he doesn't. Because it literally left me... uh, Well, actually, it wasn't bad, I suppose. It was the fear of God. (laughs) Wanting to do things right. Really wanting to do things. Realizing I could make mistakes realizing I could be going the wrong direction, realizing that God was the captain, I was not the captain. So some very important things that he wanted to get through. God's a God who speaks. And whether he whispers or whether, you know, he confronts you with the power of his word, one way or another, he does want to speak because he's a God who directs my sheep, hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. We're not supposed to wander along doing the best that we can as we live life, which is often how we live. We use a lot of our natural reasoning, making up our own minds about how we do things, instead of saying, God, have you got a plan here? God, have you got a way? Is there something you want for me to do? And this is true day by day, to wake up in the morning and say, God, what do you want to say to me? Because he's our shepherd, and he wants to direct us. I remember just when I was starting out in pastoral work, years and years ago, a young man in the village that I was living in had, and he was part of the church that I was leading, had had a kidney transplant. And his wife had learned how to use the... No, she, he hadn't had the transplant. He'd lost two kidneys. He was on dialysis at the time. He was on dialysis at home. His wife had heard, learned how to use the machine. And he, she had said to me, will you learn how to you know, do the dialysis thing in case, in case as one day I can't do it? And so I'd learned how to use this dialysis machine as well in order to be there for this friend. I'm driving out of the house I was living in at the time. And I was about to turn left to go in a particular direction. As I stopped at the end of my path, I felt God speak to me. You need to go to their house. They're in trouble. I turned straight away and drove to their house. I stopped outside the house and knocked on the door and went in. And his wife said to me, I'm so glad you're here. This dialysis machine has gone wrong. I don't know what to do. Anyway, between us, we managed to fix it. We managed to, I managed to give her some reassurance. We prayed together that God would help us. It may be simple things, but God wants to be God of our everyday life. Sometimes we think that God wants to be part of the big things, the big decisions like where you go next if you're taking finals or whatever it may be, but he wants to be part of the little things as well. And he wants to direct it because he's our shepherd. The shepherd has a daily care for his sheep. 
not just an annual care for you know, what job you will have from next year onwards. And so we need to understand that. He's a, what I love about this picture too is, see, David was a shepherd and then a king. What he's saying here to Yahweh is, Yahweh is my shepherd king. I know what it's like to be a shepherd king, but Yahweh is my shepherd king. Two things he's talking about here. He means this is, he's majestic because he's a king, and he's tender because he's a shepherd. And one of the things about walking with our shepherd, Yahweh, is that he's king. He wants to be king of our lives. He wants to rule our lives. He wants to take us in certain directions. He wants to direct our lives. He has a plan for our lives. He has a destiny for our lives. He doesn't just want us to drift along hoping for the best. Please, that is one of the worst ways that Christians can live, because God's got a plan. And what God wants us to do is to find his plan and enter into his destiny and to grow to full stature in Christ. Is that what you want? Nod to me if that's what you want. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so we're not just drifting along. So he is a king, but he is a shepherd. He's full of tender care, and he wants to take us there tenderly, and he wants to do us good. It's this combination. How sensible of the shepherd king to acknowledge that he needs a shepherd king. If you have and suffer from self-doubt, that is not a bad thing. Because it will keep you humble and will keep you walking dependently with God. One of the things that we discovered some years ago is that all pastors need pastors. Ha <laughs> ha. Pastors have the privilege of pastoring lots of people, but who pastors the pastors? And we came to a revelation that it's good for every pastor to have a pastor. David says, I may be king, but Yahweh's my king. Yahweh's my shepherd. And here's the third point. Yahweh is my shepherd individually. I will lack nothing. Now, if you have an older version, it probably says, I will, I will want nothing. There may be many things that you want, but the word want mean, merely means lack. Right? If something is wanting in an order that you have uh, placed, then it means that something is missing, something is lacking. The word want means lacking. I will lack nothing. He is my shepherd. I will lack nothing. This is a statement of supreme confidence. God does not, I have said this earlier, but I'm going to repeat it. I don't know how else to underline it. God does not want us shuffling through the world, feeling a sense of our own weakness. He wants us walking through the world and striding through the world, not because we are strong, but because he is strong. And because he's walking with us, and he's walking ahead of us, Yahweh is our shepherd. He's enough for everything we need. He's enough for all the situations that you may face and that you may encounter. All the things that could go wrong. God is enough for that. And he wants us to walk through this world in confidence. Yahweh is my shepherd. I'll oh, lack nothing. 
I'll lack nothing. Actually, just running ahead a little bit beyond my eight words. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why will you fear no evil? Because Yahweh is your shepherd. End of the, end of the psalm says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. By the way, these are like almost like two sort of supernatural beings that accompany you. Goodness and mercy. They sort of take on personalities in this psalm. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Do you believe? Who who here has this secret fear that everything that can go wrong will go wrong? Yeah. God wants to deliver. God wants to deliver you from that. Sorry, I'm being a bit strong here. and I'm not accusing. I just know that that happens. You know, there's some people who always fear bad news is going to come. God wants to deliver us from that by giving us such a consciousness of his presence and his goodness that we've sung and proclaimed about. It's no use singing about it this morning if it doesn't work out in our lives. So he wants us to walk with a huge sense. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That's a confident statement, which is going to be preached on in four weeks' time. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's another confidence statement. I'm sorry, you just can't separate all these verses. They work together. Okay, but if Yahweh is our shepherd, I will lack nothing. I will fear no evil. Goodness and mercy will follow me. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Wow, that is confident faith. So we're not shuffling along hoping, hoping maybe we'll get there in the end. If God just helps us a little bit, maybe, you know. <sighs> no, we're striding through the world with confidence because we know that God is with us. Yahweh, who can be anything you need him to be to direct you in goodness and grace and love and blessing, God's walking with you. Amen. 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 He's walking with us as we walk through life. Yahweh is my shepherd. Is he yours? It's so simple. I said to Lorraine, well, I said it for the last three days, I think. I feel what I'm saying is so simple. So basic. I hope people see something this morning. Revelation is suddenly seeing what other people have known for ages. Praying that people get revelation of what it means to have a shepherd king who walks with you, who follows you. Now, we're going to just move back into worship. I feel the band have helped us enormously, but if the band would come up again... I felt God say to me, as I was praying before this meeting, there are some people who do not have the confidence that the Lord is their shepherd. I just want to say to you this morning, you can. And 
You can go out of this meeting different, knowing that you have invited God to be shepherd of your soul, Lord of your life, to play his part in your life. You can walk out knowing something has changed for you. And I would like to invite anyone who does not know God a shepherd like that to know him like that today, to come to him, to invite him in. To make it easier, I'm going to invite some other people to come forward as well as we pray. We're going to worship and then we're going to pray with people. Those who feel they're lacking confidence as Christians in whatever way, it's fear, it's anxiety for the future, it's just feeling you're not sure or your trust of God is very low. Maybe you're facing pressure in the present. I would like you to come and receive some prayer that God will strengthen you with his presence and help you to walk in confidence that he is with you. That lack of confidence can change into confidence today as you receive an impartation of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here to do you good this morning and to change, to change the dynamic of your walk with him. Those who have fear for the future or anxiety about where life is going or whatever, you can receive an impartation of faith from the Holy Spirit today, confidence that your shepherd king has everything in hand for you. You can rest. You can relax. You can trust him. You can put your tiny hand in his great big hand and walk with him because he's your magnificent king. He wants to do you good. So as the band leads us in worship, if you recognize there's something in this that you want to see changed in you I invite you to come forward and somebody here will pray for you uh, and just pray that God will do something to change the feelings of insecurity lack of confidence fear, anxiety uh, whatever it may be uh, he will change that into a strength of hope and confidence in God that causes you to be full of joy not your life to be full of shadows. So I invite you to come. If you want to give your life to Christ and put your hand in his hand for the first time, you come. Someone will pray with you. Uh, it'd be our joy to pray with you.